Hi everyone and welcome to the fourth fourth episode of Scarberia. I'm your host Grace and Beth and yeah so welcome back. We are super excited about this episode because we are doing something a little bit different. We're not going to be looking at something that's so much haunted. One area I will be discussing has a uh, notorious to be haunted, but it's more of the person that we're talking about that does give it that eerie kind of creep feeling. And mine just has like the best ghost ever. It does. It's really cool. And <laughs> again, it's got this Canadian kind of twist, especially mine's got the American and Canadian twist. So yeah, you got the cross border content going. It's the cross border, which is pretty awesome. So before we start, I like to give a shout out to our lovely Joel at East Coast Studios. Woo who makes me sound more refined and more professional and polished. So thank you, Joel. And you can find him at eastcoaststudios.ca. And of course, Bradley Parsons, who has created our awesome intro. And you can find his work at www.trainsoundstudio.com. So please do check them out. Hey, Beth. Hey, Grace. So, uh, <laughs> so as this episode comes out, it is actually going to be Maybon or the Fall Equinox. So, oh, happy Maybon and Fall Equinox to you, my friend. Happy Fall Equinox, because I can't say the other one. Maybon. It's more of, for those who have a pagan and tradition, um, it's basically Equinox Upri, basically celebration of the fall and so many great ways of pumpkin spice lattes and... Oh, my God. Cozy sweaters. I don't, I'm more of a, just give me the pumpkin pie. Don't put it in a latte. Just give me the pie. I will take I just, the pie, too. Yeah. I don't know. Everyone loves pumpkin spice. I just, I don't know. I love pumpkin spice. And I get, like, anti, like, hate mail now being like, how can you not like pumpkin spice? Uh, it's, it's either, like, a love it or hate it. I or it's like smell. It's like cilantro. Oh, yeah. Love it or hate it. I love the smell of pumpkin spice. I just don't like the The taste, taste. of it. Which is funny because, anyhow, we're on a tangent. Sorry, we've gone off. So, and also, before I forget, it will be Beth's birthday next week. And so... Oh, no. (laughs) In honor of her birthday, I got her this gift. Oh, crazy. Okay, for you guys can't see it, it's adorable. It's like this cute little pink wrapping paper, but it's got like ghosts and like a little witch stickers on it. It's so cute. Okay, hold on. Let me open it up. Hold on. Oh my god, you did <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I'm just that's so good. Okay, those of you who can't see, Grace has got me Bobby Singer's like it's guide to hunting from Supernatural. If you know who Bobby Singer is from oh, Supernatural, so he is the guy that's basically their surrogate father who calls him Idget, which yeah. is the best line ever. But yeah, we're both huge Supernatural, huge fans. supernatural fans. Beth and I like to pretend we're both either D and Sam. <laughs> I like to pretend I'm Sam. And Wait, no, no I'm Dean. Dean. <laughs> I'm Sam. I'm Dean, and she's Sam, and I call uh-huh. her Moose. And every time we go off to these various haunted locations, we talk about and we explore ourselves. We pretend that we are the best. Um, is when we accidentally dress like them too. Oh my gosh! That's and that's happened a couple times unintentionally. We actually <laughs> like I pick her up, and we're like, oh. <laughs> so I guess we're wearing the same thing today. Cool. Okay. Right. <laughs> And we go to these locations and people look at us like we're like, oh, do you guys do this intentionally? <laughs> and we say, yes. Yeah, that's true. We totally do. But yeah, it's actually quite funny. So, yes. And we walk around going, hey, Dean. Hey, Sam. 
And hence why I like pie. And I think that's my... uh, Oh, good bring back. Yes. Thank you. I cannot wait to read this. This looks awesome. Thank you so much. Just got to say. Dean, yes. You're definitely Dean. Slight obsession with that, but it's okay. (laughs) I digress. So, on that note, I would like to... I guess I'll start... Yeah, you you go for it. Off on our first story. Your story. Yeah, go for it. So, my story, just a little side note. While doing research for this, I do recommend... I'm not too sure, if Beth, if you have a counter this, but I know for myself, if I become totally immersed in my research, whatever I'm doing, I will have these dreams, not nightmares, but dreams, vivid dreams of things. Man, I'm a visual person. Mm-hmm. So the more I do research on something, if I see images, if I read a lot of it, it'll be like singed in my brain. That's brutal. And it comes out my dream. So um, while doing research on this, I had uh, some pretty wild dreams, crazy yeah, I dreams. Them to be quite disturbing. Yeah, some of them were very disturbing. So, without further ado, my story, my case, I'll be looking at H.H. Holmes and the Toronto Connection. So, for those who are not familiar with H.H. Holmes, he was deemed as the first serial killer. Um, he's also known as the uh, American Ripper. So, H.H. Holmes was born Herman Webster Mudgett. On May, I know, Mudgett, on May 16th, 1861, in New Hampshire. Uh, he was born to English immigrant parents, and they had four children. I'm not going to get too much into it, so you guys can find out, because this story is pretty lengthy. I'm sorry, his name just kills me. Please keep going. Norman Webster. Well, okay. you know, you love your aliases, so wait till you hear his other aliases. His parents were devout Methodists, and apparently his mother was cold and showed little or no affection towards her children and him and his father was violent and abusive towards home and the other children later when Holmes was trying to fit in as a child they said psychologically they they start to look back at his patterns as a child he kind of fit the profile of his serial killer because of he was obsessed with dead animals and killing of animals Um, yeah apparently was not the nicest child towards other children and small animals. I think he uh, he got his first taste of killing, I think they said, while as a child hurting other animals, which is mm-hmm. so sad. So a little interesting side note, doing research on this, I was I'm always interested to know about the psychology behind serial killers. Yeah. I I don't know why. I just have a not a fascination because I I'm not given any glory to these guys because mm-hmm. I just just find it fascinating how a human can do this and how these right. perform these horrendous acts on another human, like subconsciously. Like as a child, when I was a kid, I stole an eraser from the Scholastic School oh, Fair, the book fair. You monster! I know. And my Did you honestly have guilt about it. For I had such guilt. The next, like I had dreams again that were so bad. The next day, I went back and I snuck the eraser back without Good for anybody. You. I couldn't Good do it. For so you. that's subconscious. I just. I can't do it. So I just can't imagine somebody performing these acts, like yeah. doing this. You know, like we all think about it, but to actually follow through with it, but somebody's actually can't even think about it. You're like, oh my gosh, that's just horrible. Yeah, I can think. Oh. Well, you know, somebody cuts you off. I'm like, oh, I can kill you. But you're not going <laughs> to act driver, on it. So if someone cuts me off. I'm like, oh, we're gonna die. You're gonna die. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, we all have like you know we flash like we, we get have, angry yeah yeah we all have that inner i guess it goes back to to that core like i'm getting deep in here like your core belief do you believe that people are born 
evil, good, or if they're born not evil, but good or bad. It's that whole what is nature? What is what? What are we born into this world of? As? Nature versus you know nurture yeah. versus nature, and that just kind of leads, of the, yeah, and yeah. that actually leads up to so like I said, doing studying on this. I was doing research on this, not studying, but so much research. Mm-hmm. Um, I found out there's a difference between a psychopath and a sociopath. So a psychopath is born. A sociopath is made. I did not know that. So, yeah, I just found out. So I found that very fascinating. So if you guys know stories and you guys have read stories about serial killers or maybe people you know, because, you know, psychopaths don't mean they're going to kill people necessarily. They're just not born with the ability to empathize because they literally cannot help it because that's how they're made. It was nature. Yeah. Nurture is the one where it kind of molds somebody to do that. Right. And kind of like sets them up to be that way. So, it's very, I found that very interesting. So, going back to the story. H.H. H. Holmes. He had other names such as Henry M. Howard, Dr. Henry Howard Holmes, Henry Gordon, Alexander Bond, C. Pratt, D.T. Pratt, A.E. Cook, and then G. Howell. See, those are practical aliases. Like, no one's going to blink twice at those. Yeah. It's not like Sean Jingleheimer. Like Sean Jingleheimer. Sorry, just Sorry. <laughs> I love that. Sean Jingleheimer. I'm gonna use that next <laughs> that time. Yes, yeah, so that'll be my alias when I have to sign it to hotel. Want to become a celebrity? <laughs> John Engelschmeiger. Something, something or other. Anyhow, <sighs> I digress. So at age 18, Holmes graduated from high school and took a teaching job. And in 1878, on July 4th, rather, 1878, he married his first wife, Clara Lovering. And on February 3rd, they welcomed their son, Robert Lovering Mudgett. At age 18, Holmes entered University of Vermont in Burlington, but was dissatisfied with the school and left one year later. In 1882, he entered the University of Michigan Department of Medicine and Surgery and graduated in June 1884. Now, they said he passed his examinations, but I was doing more research. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he just passed by the like the skin of his teeth. Oh, okay. He was smart, but not as smart for medical school. Right, yeah. And it apparently the deans and the professors got together and decided to pass him. I forgot on what grounds they passed him, but he just barely really? passed. So while he was enrolled, he worked at the anatomy lab under Professor... A chief anatomy instructor. Holmes had previously apprenticed in New Hampshire under uh, Dr. Wright. And apparently he was a, he noted an advocate for dissections. Like he was very big into dissections, hence. Yeah, so kind of foretold and foreseen his future. So in 1885, he moved to Chicago where he got a job working at a pharmacy under the alias Henry H. Holmes. When the owner of the drugstore passed away, he left his wife to take over the responsibilities of the store. However, Holmes, being the charmer that he was, convinced the widow to let him buy the store. The widow soon went missing and was never seen again. Holmes claimed that she moved to California, but she was that was never verified. So I'm not too sure if this family had kids, but I just find it very suspicious that... I don't know. No one noticed. No one noticed. No one sent, think to send her a letter, like... Yeah. Yeah. 1885, there was no, like, you had telegrams and letters, but... It would take so long for them to get there, too. 
and at maybe her age that people did second guess it. So anyhow, after Holmes had became the owner of the drugstore, he purchased an empty lot right across the street. He designed a three-story hotel, which the neighborhood called the Castle. Uh, During its 1889 construction, Holmes hired and fired several construction crews so they would never have a clear understanding of what he was building and kind of raise suspicions. So I thought that was kind of funny and weird. Yeah. So because nobody really knew that when he was doing a hire and firing that each time he guess he fired somebody, yeah. he hired the new person to build the other part. That makes sense because otherwise they'd be like suspicious. Someone would be suspicious, like, hey, should this be here? Right. Why do you have a trap door here? Yeah. Why is your shoot behind a closet? Yeah. yeah, it's a little. So this whole time. No one knew the wiser that he was building this murder castle. So after construction was completed in 1891, Holmes placed an ad to the newspaper offering jobs for young women and advertised a castle as a place of lodging. He also placed ads presenting himself as a wealthy man looking for a wife. And again, if you go back, look at the pictures of H.H. H. Holmes. Apparently he was very handsome and very charming. When he sent out this job thing, was he looking to run it as a brothel, or was it more just for, like, maid and hospitality service jobs? I think for the pharmacy. But I'm not too sure, because he had the pharmacy, so I'm not too sure if he was, like, hiring them for the pharmacy across the street. Oh, I'm thinking ahead to the... Or maybe the hotel, maybe. I'm not too sure. It didn't really say. Um, I couldn't find any research on that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's where my mind goes. Please continue. This is fascinating. (laughs) So, all of Holmes' employees... Hotel guests, fiancés, and wives, wives, and fiancés. That's just I'm going to emphasize the fiancés and wives were all required to have life insurance policies. Of course they were, of course. Homes paid the premiums as long as they had listed him as a beneficiary. And most of his fiancés, again, fiancés and wives, would have suddenly disappeared, as did many other of his employees and guests. People in the neighborhood eventually reported that they saw many women entering the castle, but would never see them exit. <laughs> Do you ever wonder if there's, like, that one neighbor who's like, I got him, like, 15 engagement presents, and he's never got I know! Why is he gonna- <laughs> that son of a bitch never wrote me a thank you letter! Right? Or a thank you note! I got Screw him. him! When it happens to number 51, he's not gonna get another <laughs> present for me! But you think someone would start to pick up, like, it's a little weird. Like... What I'm hearing, like, he's outdone Elizabeth Taylor. Like, that's been a lot of fiancés and a lot of wives. Elizabeth Taylor, yes. He's outdone himself. Anyhow, sorry, keep going. No, no, it's true, though. I just find it very disturbing in this whole story. In 1893, Chicago was given the honor of hosting the World Fair, a cultural and social event to celebrate the 400th anniversary of Columbus discovering of America. The event was scheduled... From May to October, and attracted millions of people around the world and, you know, close by, around America. When Holmes heard of the World's Fair was coming to Chicago, he took it as an opportunity. He knew many visitors would be searching for lodging near the fair and believed many of them would be women and who could be easily seduced to stay in the hotel. After being lured into the hotel, many of these out-of-town visitors would never be seen again. Again. So, wow. I just, this track record, I just, I it's like almost like a revolving door. Yeah. Of, I don't know. It's just, 
I just, I would think at this point, like, the smell. That's a good point. Like, you know, I know, like, I've heard of the ways he disposed of the body, but just, So the first floor of the castle had several stores. Two upper levels contained uh, Holmes' office and over 100 rooms where they were used for living quarters. Some of these rooms were soundproof contained gas lines so that Holmes could asphyxiate his guests whenever he felt like it. You know, just like when you feel like having a glass of wine, when you have a guest come over, I'm like, hey, would you like a glass of wine? Or can I asphyxiate with this gas? So disturbing. Just the WTF. I just, what? <laughs> I, oh. Sorry, again, this is why I had a hard time doing this research because just doing this research yeah. and just reading about him and then trying to go to sleep after no bueno. So through the building, there were trapdoors, peepholes, stairways that led to nowhere, and chutes that led into the basement. The basement was designed as Holmes' own lab. He had a dissection table, a stretching rack, and a crematory. Whoa. Sometimes he would start, just keep on, like, I know I keep on getting chills, but I just, I'm just a very visual person. I just has a, I have that in my head now. Sometimes he would send the bodies down the chute, he dissected them, stripped them of their flesh, and sell the human skeleton models to medical schools. In other cases, he would also choose to cremate and place the bodies into pits of acid. Such a oh. charming gentleman. Through all that, Holmes traveled through the states, committing insurance scams with his accomplice, Benjamin Peltz. Once the World Fair had ended, Chicago's basically economy was basically slump because just like Olympics and that we've seen yeah. and after this all these people are there, you know, all this money was coming and then it just disappears and just um, you're stuck with buildings and all these structures. Yeah. That you need to find a purpose for. You need for, to find a purpose for and and you can't find them after that. Yeah. So I, on a weird side note, I think there's still two or three structures from that Chicago's World Fair in Chicago yes. that's still standing, which is pretty amazing. I think you're right. So, Holmes abandoned the castle and focused on his insurance scams. Because, you know, when you're good at something, you might as well stick to it. Um, Committing random murders along the way. During this time, Holmes stole horses from Texas and shipped them to St. Louis and sold them, making a fortune. He was arrested for swindling and was sent to jail. It doesn't say what that time was, but that's interesting. And, of course, while in jail, he conducted a new insurance scam with his cellmate, Hedgepath. Holmes had said, told him about his idea and to take out an insurance policy for $10,000 to fake his own death, to provide Hedgepath with $500. So Holmes basically told Hedgepath, I'm going to do this whole mm-hmm. life insurance. I'm going to insure myself for $10,000. If you help me, I will give you $500 in exchange and that can help you get across. Basically, to get yourself uh-huh. out of jail. It just yeah. basically was like kind of a line in his way mm-hmm. to doing this. Um, and basically finding a patsy. Almost like to me, it sounded like. Once Holmes was released from jail on the bail, he attempted his plan. However, the insurance company started to become suspicious and did not pay him. Holmes then decided to attempt a similar plan in Philadelphia. At this time, he would have Peltz fake his own death. However... During this scam, Holmes actually killed Peltz and collected the money for himself. Of course he did. And apparently this is supposed to be his friend. Wonderful. Again, I keep on saying wonderful because that's the only word that can come across my mind when I read the story. 
1894, Hedgepath, who was angry that he did not receive the money from Holmes in the scam that they were supposed to plot out and carry, mm -hmm. Hedgepath told the police about Holmes' scam that he had planned. The police tracked down Holmes and finally catching up to him in Boston. Well, in Boston, they arrested him and held him on outstanding awards for the Texas horse swindling. At the time of his arrest, Holmes appeared as if he were prepared to flee the country and the police became suspicious of him. Chicago police investigated Holmes' castle because they started to become like, okay, this, mm -hmm. like, it's almost like a layer to an onion. They're like, yeah. okay, this guy's name is coming up across Texas, Philadelphia, all these places. Like, okay. So I think they started to follow this bread yeah. crumb of trails and it went back. So they went to his place at the murder castle where they discovered his strange and efficient methods for committing torturous murders. Many of the bodies that they located were badly dismembered and decomposed. Oh it's hard for them, the police, to determine exactly how many bodies were actually there. I can't even imagine. I can't, like, just the thought of that, again, just makes me sick to my stomach. Again, just the trail of bodies this guy left. And, uh, and like, this again, this is the only stories that we know about, right? That's, we'll talk yeah, about we'll it a bit later, but my whole opinion on and the crisis of conscience i had when i found out what we were talking about this week i know but we'll touch we'll touch base on that later so here comes now the connection to h.h H. holmes in toronto okay. so holmes did have a short stint in toronto he did live here for a short time and is while he was here uh the police investigation spread through chicago indianapolis and toronto Again, leaving this paper trail, I would say more like a body trail yeah. of the people he killed. So while conducting his investigation in Toronto, Detective Frank Greer from Philadelphia and assistance of the Toronto Police Detective, I love his name, Elf Cuddy, discovered the bodies of the Pelt's children who had gone missing sometime during Holmes' insurance fraud spree. So his friend Pelt's that he was friends with, mm -hmm. another swindler, you know, the guy that he was scamming yeah. with, he actually took the children. He had two little girls. During this whole time when, they, like I said, the girls went missing, I guess they didn't realize these yeah. girls have gone missing because nowhere did it say that these girls went missing. Mm -hmm. They probably thought Holmes was the father. So they linked Holmes to the murders, and police arrested him, basically convinced of, like, he was the murderer. Like, oh this, that yeah. obviously, because, like, these girls went missing. All of a sudden, these girls were showing up in Toronto, and then all of a sudden, they were gone. And then when the Strange. detective came, I guess, again, found out the Pelts died and then realized he has children and that Holmes is actually still alive, yeah. then Holmes must either have the children or he must have killed them. So when they came to Toronto, they said the body trail led them to Toronto. And it's in Toronto when they discover the bodies of the two little girls. It is so sad. So the two girls, it is so sad. So in 1895, on July 15th, the bodies of Alice and Nellie Pelts were discovered Buried in the cellar floor of a gloomy crawl space beneath a home in 16 St. Vincent Street near Young and College. So if you're from Toronto, it's actually not too far from Women's College. And just basically around the area, it's now a parking garage. Oh, It was a beautiful little house. Yeah. And that's basically where they found the body. So that's where Holmes was renting out. And so as Frank Greer, Detective Greer, and Cuddy, as they were... Doing the investigations, as they found the house, I guess that's where they found where he was staying, they shoveled 
that's where they found the body. And they said that, that this is a quote. They said, as Frank Greer was pushing through the shovel, a patch of soft soil, the stench that bursted from the ground was so overpowering. Uh, Greer was quoted as saying, the deeper we dug, the more horrible the odor became. When we reached a depth of three feet, we discovered what had appeared to be the bones of the forearm of a human child. And mainly both Greer and Cuddy knew that what they had uncovered. And so this cute little picturesque row house, the two-story cottage in Toronto, was a scene of a gruesome murder of these two young girls. Uh, the pelts were had been placed on top of each other. 13-year-old Alice was the deepest. Her body was on her side. Her hands were facing west. As the 11-year-old Nellie, her face was facing down and her head was pointing south with her dark hair basically draped over her back. <sighs> Anyhow, I just it's the saddest thing. So how disregard for human life this gentleman had, this monster, not a gentleman. He's not a gentleman. I take it back. He was not a gentleman, guys. Not a gentleman. He was a monster. And how he had it described for human beings and like children. Like he just, That's for him, it was awful. money. It was money. Like, and it's like, I don't know if he, he obviously had some pleasure killing people. It was pleasure, but also like the monetary gains he got from killing people for insurance. Oh. Oh. So, I'm so sorry. I know I sound like no, you got, a doom you, and gloom just, here. No, I know. It's, sorry. It's, so, um, like I said, Again, still keeping the Toronto connection. The two bodies of these young girls, which is sad to me that they didn't bring their bodies back to, to their family yeah. in the States. These two young girls are actually buried at the Toronto St. James Cemetery. I, I understand with the time period, though, why. I know. I just, it is. It's, I it's just, to sad. me, I just, I the think it's just so sad. You know what I mean? That I would have want my child yeah. to be buried close to me. If you do live in Toronto... You can actually go to St. James Cemetery, and I'm not too sure if you can actually find the headstones of these girls. It's been kind of hard to find it because it's been so long. Yeah. They can actually either, I think they said you can still find, but it's very hard to find. Okay. It's still there. The body's obviously still there, but it's hard to find the headstone. That makes sense. So you can actually go, if you guys, again, are familiar with um, St. James Cemetery in Toronto, it's this beautiful, picturesque cemetery, this gorgeous church. It's got a lot of famous people, politicians, mm -hmm. celebrities of uh, different radio mm -hmm. and television are buried there. You can actually go to the Fred office, actually, and get a map of all the all different the famous, people. famous all the people you can go visit. Yeah, there's different people, like the politicians, and yeah. they can actually go to their gravestones. Right, and a then. little side note, on our Facebook page, on our headboard, if you see the Jarvis, that's actually from... St. James Cemetery. There you go. Yeah, so a lot of the pictures I post on our Facebook head, like on the, the screen, mm -hmm. and that I use as our backdrop is actually from St. James Cemetery because it is one of my favorite places to go to. It is beautiful. It is beautiful. It is beautiful. So, on May 7th, so talk about justice, when mm -hmm. Holmes was finally caught and arrested, May 7th, 1896, Holmes was hanged at a prison in Philadelphia County Prison. And he was obviously charged for the murders of the Peltz children at this point, mm -hmm. right? Like, he admitted to these oh, yeah, ones. Yeah. But, that being said, he admitted to this murder, and a, a few other, I think 20, and the more they dug, 
They said he admitted to, to 200 different murders. Oh but they can only get him on the grounds for the Peltz trauma right. and also a few other ones and 20 for sure. Mm-hmm. But he actually admitted to killing to 200 people. So, again, you can find out more about his story if you want. So here's the irony of this whole situation. So apparently, when Holmes was being ready to be executed, he pleaded that his body, after he was killed, for his coffin to be contained with cement and buried 10 feet deep. He was afraid of grade robbers stealing his body for and using it for dissection. How ironic was that? And that's exactly, he was killing people for insurance, and he was stripping their bodies yeah. and selling their bones for medical purposes. I just find it, I just, yeah, that's just I, I just, there's, I don't know, is that irony yeah. or not? No, I don't, to me what it is, it's like, you knew how wrong that was then. You don't want someone doing it to you. You knew that was not. Well, that's what I'm saying, like, like it's irony because he did this people, and then he's like, oh, wait, 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 okay. So, you're going to kill me, okay, cool, 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 you're going to do that. So let's make sure you're going to put my body in a coffin, shitload of cement, bury me 10 feet because I'm scared of grave robbers who use my body for dissection. Did they actually do it or did they just... Like, I don't know. And that's a weird thing. I don't know. I should do research and find out. If you guys know if they actually did that, they probably did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, why would they respect this guy's wishes? Yeah, I can't see them. Didn't they also think he was Jack the Ripper at some point too? They call him, they call him the American Ripper. Yes, and people believe that too. So there's, I, there's like a lot of cross stories and yeah. the timing, I don't know. So this is the sweet thing. He ended up dying a slow, painful death because most people know when you are killed by a noose, when you're executed that way, it's not the uh, initial strangulation you die from. It's a snapping of your neck and you end up dying from it. This was the, I'm not too sure if it's poetic justice or... I hate to sound morbid, but when he was killed, his neck didn't snap right away. He ended up dying of a slow death. He twitched for like 15 to 20 minutes before he was announced dead. That's Because when, from the time the trap door opened, it twitched and he actually didn't die right away. He actually ended up suffocating and dying a slow death. Oh, this whole thing is just extremely disturbing. Like the whole... Mm-hmm. Everything about it. I know. So before I part, because the story is just so pleasant, I'm going to leave you with some chilling words from H.H. Holmes. I was born with the devil in me. I cannot help the fact that I was a murderer. No more than a poet can help the inspiration to sing. I was born with a devil on one side, standing as my sponsor beside the bed where I was ushered into this world. And he has been with me since. So I'm going to leave you with that note. Yeah. That yeah. sounds, I know, sorry. It's, no, it's, it's, it's interesting because I know he was such a, I don't want to say revolutionary, but he changed the way a lot of people think about crime mm-hmm. when all this happened and when he was caught. And it's just, it's very interesting. And it got me thinking too, like, this one makes me uncomfortable, but why, why as a society is it okay for us to talk openly about some people like H.H. Holmes and some other killers, serial killers, but there's some that it's like, no, like, I we've talked about this before, and there are several horrific things that have happened in the GTA area, and I refuse to mention mm-hmm. the perpetrator's name because I refuse to give them any more attention. If I give anyone attention, it'll be the victims and the families who have been impacted by these horrible crimes. 
So when when is the turning point? What makes it okay then to talk about? Because like I'm fine talking about Vlad the Impaler. Yes. I have no problem with people going to tourist home, wearing his hats and stuff. Like going to I his get castle? To, yeah, I get to age homes. I start to feel a little bit more, more uncomfortable. Well, and on a side note, they actually did not glorify him, but they mm-hmm. did mortalize him in American Horror Story in a hotel. That's true. Evan Peters plays the character where he's killing. He's got that, you know, Chicago, oh. that old-timey accent, which I freaking love. The Mid-Atlantic? And then, like, yeah. yeah, and so that that was H.H. H. Holmes. So that just shows how gruesome it was, right? Like, And it's... It was pretty accurate how they did it. Yeah, I was, I was, I, that's one thing. I give American Horror Story, they do their research. Yeah. And I didn't bat an eye at that. But it's like, what is the point as a group in society that we say it's okay to talk about this stuff now? Because, like, there's people going, like, murder tours of where all this stuff happens. Oh, and Jeffrey like, Dahmer? Yeah, like, You can actually go to Jeffrey me. Dahmer tours, and they actually, like, almost glorify him. Yeah. And, and they, women are swooning and go, like, they kind oh. of, like, I'm like, well... You do know he was gay, first off. Like, I don't yeah. think he'd be up to you. Like, he's into the women. So women were, like, into him. Like, and second of all, what he did to, like, the gay community yeah. around there. And, like, you know, they were stigmatized. Like, what he did and it, was horrible. And I just love that these women are, like, they're, like, kind of fascinated. I'm like, dude, he wasn't into women. And second of all, he's a sociopath. Like, he's a psychopath. Yeah. Like, he actually killed people in the end. He's remembered and he ate them. He was... Like- but this is the other thing that gets me. Like, we all know about him. He's become synonymous in our society with, like, these things. But I'm hard-pressed to remember what a name of one of his victims. Well, I do know one, um, and it sticks in my mind because this poor gentleman, what he did to him, it just, yeah. it makes me so upset every time I read the story about him. But it's like, when, when is that tipping point that we're like, it's okay now to talk about it? Is it ever okay? I don't know. It just kind of, it's got started me down this, like, rabbit hole of, like, where do I feel comfortable? Where do I feel? What is the society's line? Is it when there's nobody left alive who was intimately impacted by it? Is it when a hundred years has passed? Is it when... Like, no, when well, not necessarily. Point? So, yeah. going back, and I'm going to mention a name. No. No, don't. No, but I have to say, when this certain no. person was a killer, he was famous in the Toronto and Hamilton area. I'm not going to say his name. Thank you. Okay. That was because I refused to give him any more. No, no. But I'm just going to use this as an example, though. Yeah. It depends on some people what they believe in for money. So I believe it was uh, Law and Order wanted to use that story yeah. for an episode. And the Canadian government was like, no, yeah. absolutely not. This is still fresh. This, like, our victims are still healing from this. Like, I drove by the house yeah. where he and his wife, oh, yeah, what they performed yeah. in that house. My best friend, aunt and uncle, live not too far from them, and the house got torn down. Yeah, and so it should. And so it should. And so, again, I'm not going to mention it, but yeah. for money, though, I really believe that if it could somehow make money, a fast story that's mm-hmm. something different, people don't care. But they do care to a certain point because. Someone tried to make money off of it again, and it got... We're talking about this person way too much. Like, I'm getting physically... Beth is getting agitated, agitated She is getting like, agitated, I'm getting guys. really agitated, because I don't think... It's like, when is a society, is it okay for us to... Talk about talk it? Talk about it objectively. You know what I mean? It's just... I don't know. Like, I'm going to be talking about uh, something similar... And it's been made into like movies and theaters and like and and I'm like yeah that's cool I know but like what is the time is it twenty years is it fifty years is it a hundred like what is the point I don't know 
I don't know. Open for debate. Yep. Please, yeah, get in on the so chat. So we just totally went on a tangent there, guys. But again, this is just, you know, part of this whole... It's good to have conversation. It is good to have yeah. conversation. We have this dialogue. So before Beth goes into her story... <laughs> oh, I guess it goes into another rant. Into her a rant. We're going to let her... This is a whole rum edition. All as she again. takes a sip for her tea. Thank God there's no alcohol. Maybe she does need some <laughs> scotch in there to help her calm her nerves. Uh. <laughs> and I just turned into like groundskeeper Willie, like ah, with my pitchfork. Start the pitchfork as our chase of people. <laughs> Seriously, so we're going to be starting this new segment in between our stories. Yes, we're going to start pulling out random Canadian facts. Facts, 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 <laughs> facts, facts, facts. So because this podcast is called Scareberia, <laughs> which is a play, being from both Beth and I grew up in Scarborough, and our podcast being a more of a Canadian twist. Mm. You know, we're looking at famous Canadian places, not just in Toronto, Ontario, but just all over Canada. We thought, why not? Like, a lot of people, when they find out when we travel, like, you're from Canada. They a. always, A, and a boot. You always get that friendly kind of banter, like, oh, you Canadians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we thought, what better way to introduce random Canadian facts to our Canadian listeners and our American friends and those abroad? So here are some famous, or not so famous, but more of random Canadian facts. Some of them are going to be intriguing, odd, and just plain up bizarre. So I love these ones. So one, uh, the famous Canadian interjection, A. A. A, as Beth were saying, because apparently we're very famous for saying A. Bob and Doug McKenzie. <laughs> a, little, a little plug there. Um, it's actually listed in the Canadian Oxford Dictionary as a valid word. I love that. I love it, too. That's awesome. So nobody can say, so, that's not a word, yeah? I'll show you, A. Eh? It's in the Canadian Oxford Dictionary. I Just love saying. it. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Take that, people. Canada. Uh, this is amazing. In St. Paul, Alberta, in 1967. This is amazing. They actually built a UFO landing pad. No. Yeah. Like, seriously? It's a legit UFO landing pad in St. Paul, Alberta. So, that's so tip of my hat and give it a shout out to St. Paul, Alberta, because that is absolutely amazing. That's um, if you are from St. Paul, Alberta, please do take a picture with this landing pad with you on it, around it, sitting around it, your family yeah. picture, a wedding picture. So, if you guys have taken <gasps> your wedding picture, someone there, must have had please. a wedding picture, sir. Send those pictures to our Facebook page, oh, Facebook it. slash face uh, Scareberia, because we would love to see it and share it with the rest or of hit our yeah. fans. Or tag us in Instagram. We're yes, at Scareberia. That would be the yes. Please find us at Instagram at Scareberia because that would be amazing. Because I would love Wait, to actually see people. Was it, was it? Didn't we have that Minister of Defense, former Minister of Defense, who said aliens exist? I wonder if he his was name off- was Paul. I do know that. Was he? Was he in office? Wait, maybe Paul built the land. Wait, what? <laughs> Beth is gonna get. Beth is getting really excited I'm here. Getting really excited. Oh, uh, I, I will Google that. But I think. Oh, okay. He didn't get into politics until a couple years later. Okay, it was, a good, it was, it was an exciting connection there. Well, it didn't last. Okay, so one more fact before oh, yes, we end. Please. So Love this. <laughs> this is another funny one. This is more of a huh kind of <laughs> fact. I thought it was like huh. It's not like. Okay, anyhow, it's I'm just going to read. Haha, it's funny. Like, in oh. Halifax, Nova Scotia, it's actually, taxi drivers are not allowed to wear t-shirts. 
<laughs> so are you guys have to see Beth's face. She's got this perplexed look. What? Huh? That's exactly what I said. But they're not allowed to wear t-shirts. They're not allowed to wear t-shirts. It's a law. T-shirts? It's 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 the law in uh, Halifax. Why? Taxi cabs are not allowed to wear t-shirts. Is it not professional enough? I don't know. It just says it's not. It's not Halifax. Tell us. I'm wondering if it's like a if you wear this like mesh see-through shirt. <laughs> I wonder if that's okay. That would be something we would have done to protest. Uh, yeah. Kind of like, like a lederhosen, if you wore a lederhosen. Is that okay? I don't understand. If somebody Wait, lives that, in Halifax... Like, and is it like, would a short sleeve button-down be okay? I don't know. Because it's not considered a t-shirt? It's considered like a... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's interesting. Because I really don't see how that would affect their driving capabilities. <sighs> I don't know. And Halifax gets warm in the summer. It's not like it's... It gets warm. It's hot out there. Like, can they not wear, anyhow, you can't, like, wear, I guess they're wearing maybe logos, but it's a t-shirt, though. That's just a more of, like, a hat. That's a, a weird stump. thing, yeah. It's a, it's a, it, it's, it's a stump, right? If you know the reason behind this law, please contact us. Because that one, I just want to know. want to know. Yeah. I do have family in Halifax. I should just ask yeah, them. Yeah, that's, a, please do, because that's just weird. Yeah, so. But they probably don't know either. They're probably going to get into every cab now and be like, why aren't you wearing a t-shirt? t-shirt. <laughs> yes, do an investigation. We should do this. Go undercover. Go to go to Halifax. <laughs> go to Halifax just to take notes. So yeah, so interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, you have just really bent my mind in all directions today, Grace. Uh huh. All directions. That is. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> you're not going to sleep tonight because you're having weird dreams, and I'm just going to be sitting here wondering why. There's no why cats can't, can't wear t-shirts? t-shirts. And how long do we have to wait as a society oh, wait, until wait, t-shirts wait, are accepted again? Wait until we get to the other ones because there's just I got oh, doozies of these like random Canadian facts. I cannot wait. Funny. I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. For I love random Canadian facts. I just love random facts. My, and for those of you who don't know, my dad is actually an American citizen now. He moved to the states a while ago, so we often have this back and forth Canadian U.S. banter. So these are going to come in really handy when he tries to sell me stuff. I'm just going to be like, oh yeah, do you guys have a in the dictionary? I'm sorry. Our cab drivers are classy. They don't wear t-shirts. All right. I guess we should uh, mosey on along, eh? Yes. Mm-hmm. And now, to Beth. So I am going to look at a place that is a little bit haunted. Uh, and it's one of those things that every Canadian kind of knows, but you don't really think about until you hear it. Mm-hmm. And it's the curse of the Black Donnellys. Believe mm-hmm. it or not, this story is actually brought up in a lot of universities as this topic to investigate. So, okay, let's talk a little bit about the backstory. It was pretty wild. So, basically, James Donnelly um, and his wife, Joanna, moved to Canada. Mm-hmm. Basically, for looking for a better way of life, they immigrated from Ireland, settled in, in Canada. But they kind of, when I say they settled, they kind of more squatted. So, they took over this piece of land, cleared it, built their house on it. Um, basically, it... Like my cat. Yeah, it's, it's my cat, cat like does on my cat. bed. He just like squats right? our whole bed. Yeah, um, but basically, the land owner eventually owner the land owner eventually <laughs> came back and was like, "No, this is my land. You need to get off." And they're like, "Well, we've been here seven years and we cleared it, so no." And it actually got really heated and went to court. In the end, it ended up being settled that the Donnellys would get a certain amount of land, the owner would get some, but it was still really heated. How much property did they get out of that? I think it was something like. I don't remember off the top of my head, but it was not a lot. It was less than the land they cleared. That okay. was for sure. Which I'm sure was part of the reason why they were so so heated. It started off this kind of huge feud and escalated in 1857 when James uh, Donnelly killed Patrick Farrell, who was involved with the dispute over the land. But mm-hmm. I'll get into that in a minute. So 
basically, this clan of Donnellys had a really tough time in their community, we'll say. It was kind of like that bad family, like that one bad seed. And it just kind of blew out of proportion. So, basically, what happened was there was this fight over the land, and... Okay, yeah, we all hear spelling bees, quilting bees. Back in pioneer days, bees were for anything. It was whenever the community got together to do whatever needed to be needed. So if you need Makes to get sense. A quilt, Colony, quilt, bees. Right? So they were actually at a logging bee one night. And, of course, a logging... Logging bee? Yeah, so they chopping down wood, logging, okay. getting the logs Would it be ready. more like logging beavers? Oh, Canadian content, yes. That's what it's going to be from now on. <laughs> Sorry. That's what it's going to be from now on. <laughs> Sorry. No. So basically they're at this logging beaver, as I'm going to call it from now on. And a few drinks got going. You know, they started... No. I know, shocking, right? So this thing started to get a little bit heating. And apparently, Patrick Farrell went after James Donnelly with his fist. James fought back. Patrick grabbed this, like, axe-type thing. Went after Donnelly. Donnelly, in self-defense, hit him. Killed him. Yeah. Then it gets a little bit interesting. Everyone saw it, too, because it was like a community event. There was no denying what happened. So, James Donnelly went on the lamb for 11 months. Whoa. Which, in Ontario, in the 1800s, kind of tricky to do. Living off the land, you know. Basically, his wife knew what had happened, as did their older children, James and William, um, and John, who was 10 at the time. But none of them were talking. Not at all. And, like, police officers regularly showed up on their doorstep to make an arrest, but... They could never find him. Mm-hmm. But it's rumored that they could see him, like, you know, hiding in the house, dressing up in his wife's clothes to go places to, like, transport from one of the other. Like Norman Bates? For the Bates little, Hotel, like, dress up his mother? I, I was thinking a little bit less Norman Bates and a little bit drag? more, like... like well, please say it's drag. Like, no, just like he had to go somewhere, and I was like, oh, <sighs> they won't expect a woman. Let me put on this outfit. I'm trying to think of the TV show where that's from, but... And now I just got the image of, like, drag race... Which I love. And now I have... Can you imagine 1800s? 1800s drag! Oh my gosh! And can you imagine RuPaul? We love you, RuPaul. We do love RuPaul. Sorry. No, it's all good. (laughs) I just have that image in my head now. Of him trusting his wife and they did. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Okay, I did. It's okay. It's, no, this story has... It's very sad, but then every now and then there's these things that happen and you can't help but laugh. But um, basically after 11 months... I don't, we don't know why he turned himself in, but he turned himself in and he was actually sentenced to hang. But his wife uh, was not taking it lightly, right? Everywhere she went, she got people to sign a petition, you know, save him, this and that. And eventually, she was able to get his sentence commuted to something less severe, as in seven years in prison. Hmm. And the reason why he got seven years in prison was because all the people said it was, like, signed that it was self-defense and it wasn't intentional. And I guess, sorry, like, so I guess there was witnesses there because oh, yeah. well, the this was at the... Is that the yeah. logging beaver? <laughs> the logging beaver, yes. The logging beaver. So at this oh. point, he goes into the penitentiary for seven years. And at this time, of course, his boys are growing up. They also had several other children. But these boys are rumored to be a little bit of, uh, can we say ne'er-do-wells? Mm. Got lots of bar fights. You I can, can. The you just did, so. I did. But they were, they're, <laughs> they're kind of like the bad boys of the community. Like, they got in lots of fights. Served a lot of trouble. So boys, I would have liked. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Just give, yeah. Yeah, they were the rebel boys. They started their own stagecoach company, which actually ended up being somewhat su- pretty successful. But they got into, like, a rival feud with another stagecoach company, and they, like, damaged each other's carriages and, like, horses and sabotaged each other. <laughs> Sounds like West Side Story, but with, right? <laughs> carriages. With carriages. 
Oh, and do you think it's fair? Because one of them actually married... Broke into song? No, that would have been amazing. <laughs> okay. He actually married this girl, though. And her whole family disapproved of it. And he really, like, ticked off her two brothers. So they got married. It only lasted, like, like a couple of months. And then she went back to her family. Was her name Maria? I, I, I don't think... Would it oh be funny gosh, if her name was Maria? her name was Maria. I can't remember. Oh, my God. I'm going to look that up and get back to you on Sorry, that, that just... Sorry, I'm just, I have no, no idea I why. Have no I just... Let's check. Let's check. Uh, Nora. It was a Nora. Ugh. Nora Kennedy. Anyhow, so basically there was a lot of, you know, trouble. Staged carriages are destroyed. I don't know if it's true or not, but it says that William Brooks, who was a driver, was killed when one of the wheels fell off one of his carriages. Mm-hmm. So it was not like a late fight. It was pretty bad. This all continues. Eventually, James Sr. gets out of jail, comes home. And it, it just continues to be this, like, horrible scene. The Donnellys against the community. Everybody hated them. And it all kind of hits a tipping point when one day in church, there's this peace committee set up. And everyone was like, hey, we're all joining the peace committee, and we agreed to have our house searched for stolen property. And the Donnellys were like, uh, no, I'm not doing that. Thank you. I'll go somewhere else. Really? Yeah. They refused, and, which I can understand. I don't want people to go through my house, especially if yeah. everyone hated me. So that just kind of set this huge, big thing alight. And you know how I feel about staunch religious state very, versus, you know, come into the house. I just, like, I just, I wouldn't like that either. That just, yeah. like, uh, that's a violation of privacy and just, and who knows, like, hearsay and rhetoric. Well, and if I was a Donnelly family, too, I'd be worried someone would plant something in my house. That's exactly what I'm worried about. That's what I'm thinking, right? Like, if somebody has something against you, yeah, like who I'm, knows? I'm pretty involved in my faith, but, like, this... Yeah, even to that's extent, a little bit. That's, that's a little bit much. But that's too much, yes, I agree. So, things continue, more feuding, more fighting, and then this peace committee says, okay, we've got to do something about this Donnelly family. So they start to kind of, like, hatch this plan of just, you know, kind of scaring them a little into line. Well, of course, because this is Canadian history, they end up getting drunk and burning something, which is kind of a continuing thing. In our history, if you look at it. So one night, they actually sent spies out to watch the Donnelly house <laughs> to see when people were coming and going. Which, what? Which, you know, like, do you just think they just, just like, pull straws? Like, all right, Jim, it's cold out. Because the, mas- the Donnelly That's- massacre happened in February, so this would all be going oh down in January. Gosh. That is crazy. The 1800s in the winter. Right? In, like... Farm field outside of London. People, you know, like, farm field. You've been out in the farm field. It's cold. It's cold. And it's not like this was, like, like the red coats are coming, the blue coats are, like, this is not, like, the Civil War. This is just people spying uh, on their uh, neighbors. Okay, Jim, I, okay, I got, I got this best <laughs> idea. Okay. Okay. So, I'm going to go watch this person. Let me finish my, let me finish my drink, <laughs> and I'm going to go watch this family. You keep eye on everybody else, okay? Now, if you hear somebody coming, just make a sound and try not to be suspicious. I'd be suspicious. I gotta go pee. <laughs> like, the worst just... part is, that's probably exactly how it went down. Because it started, like, like, they didn't have a good plan to begin with. And the whole point was to, like, basically make sure there was no women or children at home. Because they just wanted to spook the men. But it totally backfired. Okay, we gotta find out if Drunk yeah. History did this. We should just do Canadian drunk history. The Canadian drunk history. In a light way. Because we're not making light of this whole thing. But just the whole lead up to this thing. It's just... it's And I will be honest, mob mentality is one of my biggest fears in life. And so I kind of deal with my fears with humor. This is why I'm being a little bit more lighthearted about this. 
But it also reads like a novel. It, it does, just, like a comedy novel, because like, how? Why? Yeah. What? So basically, <laughs> just like, that's all. Because, a lot of mo- this whole thing is really horrible, but every now and then there's a, huh? <laughs> moment. And it just continues. Oh my So gosh. anyhow, one night, of course, to get up their confidence, we'll say, to go kind of scare and rough up their Donnelly boys a little bit. They drink a bit too much. So they go into the house. With their, and like, I kid you not, it actually, like, at one point you can see list who went and what they brought with them. And I kid you not, I'm sure one of them had a pitchfork. Oh, jeez. So basically they go into this house and they managed to handcuff one of the Donnellys. I think it was Tom. Which amazes me that you could handcuff someone who was sleeping. So, of course, he wakes up and starts kind of struggling. Joanna wakes up and goes, what's, what's going on? Bridget, who is a niece that mm-hmm. came over from Ireland staying with them, sees the commotion starts freaking out because of course she's like James. these canades are freaking crazy yo yeah i'm i'm bailing screw this so she runs upstairs to hide so james and joanna and tom they're all fighting right and they're trying to get it and basically james gets beaten knocked to the point where he's unconscious and i'm assuming presumed dead jeez. Oh, and so they go upstairs as well and find bridget and beat her as well because they don't want any witnesses Little do they know that this entire time, I believe it is John who's hiding underneath one of the beds because no one expected him to be there. So there are, the Donnellys consist of James and Joanna, William, John, Patrick, Michael, Robert, Thomas, and Jenny. And then Bridget was a cousin. So there was a, I believe it was Those are very good Irish names. They're really good Irish names. Very Irish. But basically this one little uh, boy... I'm going to double check. I have to double check the name. Was hiding under the bed and managed to escape. So once they did kind of like a head count, they realized they saw this kid running to the hotel. They're like, we have to go after him. So they set the house on fire and (gasps) burned the house and go after this person, the one who escaped, and actually caught up with him and beat him to death. So it what was a child! I, I'm gonna see how old he was. I it, uh, it, I think I read what? it as I don't Sorry. think it was an actual child. It was, but one of the Donnelly's children. I don't think it was an actual child. I'm going to double check this, though. Sorry, you guys can tell I did this so ahead of time. <laughs> William Donnelly survived. Patrick Donnelly survived. Jenny and Robert survived. So, it wasn't the entire family that was okay. murdered. But, like, can you imagine, like, just seeing somebody run and then having to track them down and kill them? Here's the part that makes this even more creepy. Not one person was convicted of murder, despite the eyewitnesses' testimonies. What? Despite the town knowing. The freak? The what? The first trial was shut down because they said they where they held it, it was too biased, so they'd have to have a second trial where it wouldn't be quite so biased by the community. Ugh. And I kid you not, not one charge was laid. Why, were they all buddies, like, with, the, like, the judges and all the buddies, like, it just they go up, to church together? It just brings up so many questions. What set this off? What made this different? What, why did no one get, you know, it was, yeah, John Donnelly was hiding under, um, and he left. I don't think he was a child at the time, but he was the one who escaped. But, yeah, how wild is that? How awful is that? And they just burned it. It's in the house, and, yeah. But... On that note, it did lead to one of the best ghost stories I've ever read. Ooh, do tell. 
So there's the general stuff if you go to um, the Donnelly House, the land where the barn was there. The, the homestead has actually been purchased, and now you can go on tours there if you want. Um, but a lot of people report feeling really kind of creeped out, like somebody's watching them, mm-hmm. feeling that they've been touched. Is that the drunk guy in the bush? Yeah, probably the guy, the spy. The spy? Not very discreet. The drunken spy? Not very discreet. We'd have to be, it's so cold. Sorry, that was yeah. like, I'm so really outraged by that. <laughs> It's like the poor guy. But feeling like people touching them, uh, people saying they felt they've been touched. Um, other, the At really the house? The house? Or like the property? Both. Yeah. Really? You still let people do stay overnight in the barn, but not anymore. <sighs> Horses go crazy around the homestead. There's a thing called Roman's Line, which is basically just... Yes, I heard about this. The street where the Donnellys are. And the Donnelly Massacre happened on the 3rd uh, slash 4th of February, and it says... Horses, will, especially at that time of year, will not like not. They will not do it. And three horses that have gone down that road during that time period have passed huh. away shortly after. But horses freak out; they won't go. I wonder if that still holds true. Like, be, like, do you think it's like urban legend, or do you think people Seems actually like, have tried to do that? I don't know. So, if you are from the London area and are familiar with this story, if you heard about this, and if you know the truth behind this, if you can debunk it, or if it's actually like legit, let know. us know. Um, people report seeing two a man and a woman dressed in black with two children dressed in white. Why are the kids always dressed in white? I don't know. Do you not find like every like that's why I think those scary are, yes. stories and like every like because the they're in the dress in pure. That's all I can think of. That's why I think that one's kind of BS. But this is my favorite one. So I'm on the Donnelly.com. 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 <laughs> and this is my favorite one. So. They uh, this people recently bought a house on the land and um, they knew it was a little bit creepy. They're taking it, but this one guy he had a brand new hunting shirt and he kept it in his closet. And it it's called like the mystery of the green plaid shirt. So it was hanging up in his closet, not a big deal. And then one day he went to put it on and it was just gone, like not to be seen. And then a year later in the same closet, and this is a direct quote: "What was even stranger? Dot dot dot. The shirt was in bold red writing." Washed, pressed, and folded neatly. <laughs> I'm like, if Miss Donnelly the laundress ghost. Like, if Miss Donnelly wants to come to my house and fold my laundry, I am down for that haunting. I am so tickled, and like that just makes me like, so excited to know that there's a ghost <laughs> like folded laundry. I am not shitting you. I've got a big pile of laundry yeah. right now waiting. So, Miss Darling, if you feel so obliged, you can come to my house and fold it. I just wonder if it's not, like, not to be, like, this, the person this happened to probably actually happened to, but it's, like, someone borrowed her shirt and, like, got a stain on it. And I know. didn't have the heart to tell like, him, so it's, oh, like, hit shit. It I got a stain, okay? I'm going to get this pressed somewhere nicely, and, like, <laughs> it's probably the kid who's, like, who probably did it. One of the kids are, like, oh. Is there going on about this ghost? So he just kind of snuck it back one day, and now doesn't have the heart to tell him it was them. Yeah. It was a ghost. It's, like, that one, you know, that, that neighbor that always forgets. You know, like they borrow a cup of sugar, they always forget to bring the cup back. Like Homer Simpson, and it's like <laughs> chipped. And you're like, oh, oh, shit, such repair. Yeah. So yeah, that's a really badly told version of the Donnelly massacre. There's lots of information out there. Uh, there was a mini series just last year that came out. There's been books. There's CBC's been plays. done a series, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. It looks pretty good. I haven't watched it yet. This is not to be confused with the short-lived TV show from 2000 and I think it was seven with Jonathan Tucker called the Black Donnellys, that was only inspired by this tale. It wasn't, it was set in like Boston or something. Good show, but 
Uh, Boston's got so much already. Give us something. I said, watch well, it be something completely different. Um, like Jonathan Tucker was in it. was good. Isn't there, a, like, a brewery around there? There is. It's, it's called the Black, Black Dolly, Dolly Brewery, brewery. guys. Like, brewery. So, I cannot say that. Okay, I know. It's, it's one of... Brewery. Brewery. There is. There's a black... And it has, like, a really good website, and... Yeah, I promise I have not been drinking it, yet. Yeah. But... Also, random side note, I don't know if people are into ley lines or not, but the Donnelly Homestead, it, it looks like it's either on or right close between a minor ley line and in between two larger ones. And, 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 limestone. Niagara's full of limestone. And around, well, because it's like the London area. So, as you guys know, I said, I think, uh, a couple episodes back, I talked about limestone being a, like, conductive energy that really holds energy, almost like a residual energy for, it holds for spirits and... So it's almost like a tape recorder, and most places that are made out of limestone have a tendency to be very active. On also just a really random note, if you ever go to Frankie Boone, Michigan, they have like a little canal, and what they used to build up the sides of the canal was limestone imported from Niagara. So there. Well, Another and then if you fact. ever go to Niagara on the Lake, there's a great place called the Screaming Tunnel, which I did a live oh, Instagram yeah. video. Uh, my friend Chris and I, we did that just to talk about like an urban legend and the myth behind the Screaming Tunnel. We tried to debunk it. Mm-hmm. During the day, it's lovely. It was actually quite funny. I've mm-hmm. heard the neighbors across the street. Lovely gentleman. Yeah. Beautiful, big St. Bernard dog. was telling me the funny stories. We were there at 11 o'clock at night. He's like, oh, he's seen it all. Uh, girls apparently going out, taking pictures naked in the tunnel. What is uh, yeah, just random things, but, uh, it's just not yeah, so during the day, it's, you know, it's got this airy kind of flow. It's, again, tunnel flows. People say, like, oh, if you light a match, the match gets blown oh, out. Oh, come on. There, it's a tunnel. There's Sorry. consistent wind happening. Yeah. A tunnel, wind. I just, you know, uh, so my friend Chris and we went at nighttime, and I gotta say, the vibe at nighttime is okay. pretty creepy. So we will be looking at one of these. We're going to be talking yeah, about the black tunnel. Fun. I mean, the black tunnel, the screaming <laughs> tunnel. I'll get the black dollies and the tunnels combined and just mix them together. Yeah. But so I just wonder if there's like the, around the barn was made of limestone. I don't know. We don't talk about that. But it'd be interested to find out though. Yeah. I want to know what happened after that log and be what happened to all that wood. Well, I would like to know is going back to, um, like I said, St. James Cemetery mm-hmm. is notoriously haunted. Like, there's a lot of haunted locations. They do ghost walks, and yeah. people said it is haunted, even though I don't believe cemeteries are. I, yeah, I have. But I do believe there's some things around there. It is kind of creepy because it is this beautiful kind of vibe to it. It's got this Victorian goth. It is got a Victorian yeah. goth to it. Be interesting. So, where the Peltz children were killed, or H.H. Holmes, you know, mm-hmm. was living, now it's a garage. I would like to know, like, the years of that being there, what kind of energy kind of held in there? So it'd be interesting to know about that. I'm just I'm just fascinated to learn more about like the human mind and how much do we just psych ourselves into this and how much of it is actual. Well, you know my experiences I've had before personal yeah. experiences with encounters uh, of ghosts and spirits. Like I've had my own personal encounters yeah. and stories, and those I will share some other time, but. I also like to know, again, go back to the castle, like the murder's castle. All those people that are killed there. Because apparently now it's torn down. It's like a... Good. a well, so, it's now it's an I'm office very building. passionate this week. I know. You're... I know. Very passionate this week. Very passionate this week. It's an office building? It's an office building. That seems wrong, though. Like, it feels like it should be a memorial to the victims or something. Like, oh, no. Why would they do that? Do you think uh, developers care? No. 
Of course not. They don't preserve that. So yeah, apparently it's like a it's like a parking lot slash like small like brownstone kind of like office building. If you Google it, mm-hmm. the Murder Castle in Chicago, it'll show you. You know, I know. Sorry, I just the Murder Castle in Chicago. <laughs> if anyone ever looks at our Googles, it's gonna be like, Murder Castle Chicago I basket weaving one hundred and one. So <laughs> it'd be interesting to see if what kind of energy resides there. Yeah. So again, you don't have to really believe in spirits or ghosts or whatever, but I do believe that everything is made of energy, and we just. We do leave an impression somehow, mm-hmm. being good or bad. And so this has got to go somewhere, right? Especially when it's bad stuff, that bad juju has to go yeah. somewhere and it's going to stay somewhere. Well, if anything, it does spark conversation. Yes. I'll give it that. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I was going to say it was fun researching. I'm going to, yeah. <laughs> it was more disturbing. Um, really disturbing. I, like I said, I cut out a lot of from the story. Mm-hmm. Of AJ Tomes. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. And make sure you check out our, our Facebook page for links for like books and websites and other information if you guys want to do your own research and start your own conversations about this stuff. And please do check us out on Instagram as well at our handle at Scareberia. Uh, we're going to be posting the next few weeks now. Actually, the next mm-hmm. few days and lead up to Halloween, we will be showing our favorite movies. Yeah. Maybe mm-hmm. even favorite books that we love to read during yes. this spooky time of year. Oh, because so as my husband laughs, um, Halloween, if it's up to me, will be every single day of the oh, year. Because it is the best. But yeah, please do check it out. I will be posting, well, actually we'll be posting on Mondays. Every Mondays we're going to be featuring a new Monster Monday, our favorite monsters as well. So, there's so many to choose from. So, if you do have any ideas, and please do share if you know of any locations, have any stories of places in Toronto, Ontario, and in Canada, please do send us an email at scaria at gmail.com and send it to us and let us know. Yeah, and as you have to places, if you've had your own personal experience in a residence in the gta let us know because there's apparently a lot of pockets that oh may, there's that lots I'm of pockets going to keep in my pocket for a future <laughs> episode absolutely and as always please do like us on itunes the more ratings we have the more we go up the better is for us and please if you do like us which we really really hope you do um, please do like us <laughs> please, <laughs> please be our friends please be our friends and like us um Think about becoming a Patreon uh, member where, you know, help us pay for the show. Like, to have things like microphones and headphones and pay for content and do fun and honestly, do the research. It's um, our sponsorship range, I think, from a dollar to... A dollar to five or five ten. ten. So yeah. it's reasonable. Come check us out. You can't even buy something at the dollar store with tax anymore for a dollar. So. I know. Yeah. So, like, a dollar a month can actually help us a long way, <laughs> oh people. God things on TV for only a dollar a day. I know. When, for only a dollar a day. You can help Beth and Grace keep their passion of the paranormal alive. <laughs> so do think and do become a member of Patreon for us. Seriously, we you do love this, guys. We love this. We love doing this. We love bringing this content to you guys. We're very passionate about this. We're bringing our passion for education and history and paranormal together to create this awesome. I think it's cool. My mom thinks it's cool. So, <laughs> so do think about coming a patron and do like I said please do share with your friends mm-hmm. on iTunes and rate and review us because it does help and please try to leave us nice reviews my ego can't handle it 
So I hope you guys did enjoy this episode. And learning way more about me than you ever planned to. And yeah, so <laughs> so please tune in in two weeks. And until then, stay spooky, awesome, and we will see you guys soon. And talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs>